Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, in his final form, we have Ethan, the MTG Pro Sax. How does it feel to be on the Pro Tour, my friend? Dude, it is <laughs> unbelievable, truly. Like, I-, I was thinking about how crazy it was that we were just talking about this. Like, after Worlds, we were like, we're fired up for competitive magic. And look who's on the PT! <laughs> <laughs> I think you're more excited for me than I am excited for me right I now. I think that is true, but I am beyond hype for you. It's so cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Pretty crazy. I definitely thought, you know, when we got off the call last week to record that uh, that it wasn't going to happen for me, that like Sunday was going to whatever, it's going to fizzle out. And I almost did. I almost did fizzle out and die four <laughs> in my day two run, but somehow managed to to rally back. And I, yeah, can't believe it. And I'll, I'll be honest, I think I told you this, but I didn't I didn't actually know that it was legitimately <laughs> the PT. I know. How the did you PT? not know? <laughs> well, because I thought because these like qualifications came about during COVID when like I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure these qualification weekends came out during COVID when all the like whatever quote unquote pro tours were online, right? It was mythic championship, whatever, two, three, four, five, and they were online and there was no limited. So I was like, I'm qualifying for some like full on constructed event. And then I think I was like five and one and I was looking up, I was like, what am I actually (laughs) competing for? for?" (laughs) Well, because I knew someone from our discord like had got in with like whatever they're like at large invites for the arena championships, which I am also qualified for. And that's like a, another really cool tournament that we'll talk about in a sec. But then I also saw like seven wins arena champs and pro tour. I was like, Oh, it's like <laughs> the actual factual pro tour. And that's, that's where I'm headed. So all, you know, you and, and strict familiar and two duck cubed were like, Hey, are you coming to Chicago? Are you going to be coming to Chicago? And I was like, I don't know. We'll see planning to travel the weekend before can confirm. Lords of Limited will be in Chicago. Heck yeah, let's do it. Ah, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> so speaking of the Arena Championships, that was this weekend. Arena Champs 4 was this weekend, and we got to watch two feature drafts yesterday on the Magic Twitch channel. So we're going to be going over one of those a little later, sort of a la our full 45 style episode. But we're also going to give a little uh, mini tournament report about what happened on Sunday, chat about some some sealed things, you know, just sort of the, the show notes as always, as Ben likes. Full sparse today. So we'll just see what uh, what comes about in the air. First things first, before we get into all that good stuff, let's chat about some housekeeping. Let's chat about the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. The show will always be free, but of course, we got some great perks over there. Everybody who gives back via the Patreon page gets access to the Discord. I got to say, I think my current favorite thing about the Discord is these watch parties that happen during these big events. Like we had a really active chat during world slash really the Vegas hundred K when we were cheering on quarter calls and two duck cubed and G guards and Jason. Yeah. Who ended up winning the whole thing. And we got to 
follow along one of our Discord's very own Glosu this weekend in the Arena Champs and just sort of check in on what folks were doing. Shout out again to Mike Provencher, who uh, who's in our Discord and sorted out all of the draft decks, all 32 draft decks from the draft yesterday and sorted by record. So we got to see what the three O's looked like, what the two ones, et cetera. So that's a really awesome perk, but there's just like everything happening in the discord. And we should shout out, there's going to be a watch party in just a couple days, Ben. Ooh, the Lords versus resources showdown. And for once, are we favored? Are we favored? I think if we, if we put out a poll, if we actual factual put out a poll, I think we might be favored. I was thinking about it. I was like, we're getting challenged here. We've won three of the last four. You cashed 2K in the Arena Open. Alex got 13th place in the Vegas 100K, which was Wilds of Eldraine. And I'm going to the Pro Tour and Arena Champs from Wilds of Eldraine. I think we might be favored. Might be favored. But folks want to know what it is. This is this coming Tuesday at 9.30 Eastern. So this episode is dropping on Monday. The day after 9.30 Eastern is when the showdown will be happening. <laughs> LSV quote tweeted your yes. tweet also with Team LR's accomplishments, which was a <laughs> yeah, very, very funny. Good form. Good form over there. So uh, a lot of great stuff happening at the Patreon page where you get access to, but also just get get those sweet, sweet perks and, and get to support the show. And we, of course, want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they join. So this week we are welcoming Alexander, Micah, Jacob, Lucas, Zach, Matt, MBI, Dan, Billy, Cody, Aaron, Joe, and Patrick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Can't say thank you enough. Show is also brought to you by CoolStuffInc.com, where they've got cool stuff in stock. And right now, that is the materials that you need to get to the Pro Tour. I am whatever amount I was fired up last week about competitive (laughs) magic. It is on steroids this week. Some toadstool company is going out of business. There's gloom and doom in the air about magic. Not a CoolStuffInc.com, baby. They've got those singles in stock. They've got sealed products for you to buy booster boxes. Not to store in the closet. To crack open with your friends right now. Jam those eight-man drafts. Prep for the PT. I am fired up about competitive magic. And CoolStuffInc.com has the tools to help you get there. Please use checkout code LOL, all caps, when you buy that stuff to get yourself to the PT. Wow. That was a one take wonder. That might be your best your best ad read yet, my friend. Listen, I've got that pro tour energy. Right you do. Now. You are vibing right now. So when last we left our dear listeners, I had opened my pool with Gruff Triplets, with Goose Mother, and with Fawn's Bane Troll, but no green playables. And Ben was like, nah, you gotta play those green cards. <laughs> you can't you can't leave those rares on the sidelines. And he cobbled together a mostly black, little bit of green with is rough, the rough, gruff triplets, triple green. Seven forest, no big deal. That never came up in the games. And random, no, certainly not. <laughs> Definitely don't have stories about that. And then just two islands and collector's vault for the goose mother. And we were talking about that deck and I was starting to get convinced. And then at the end, we went back and I was like, I think I'm going to start with this red black deck and I'll swap in to the black green blue deck. Yeah, I, I think that was a reasonable decision from you. Also, before you started, offered to jam some games to see which was better. And you were yeah. like, nah, I, I like red black better. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe had I done that, I, I could have saved myself the trouble of starting red black in match one, losing that game, swapping to black green blue losing that second game starting match two with red black losing that game so just to be clear you can only lose two matches in this run and then you're out and i lost the first three of my four games so really not feeling great but swapped to black green blue again in match two and i I, it was after that that i felt like and obviously i I went on to win that match but after that i was like i think i have to start with this deck because 
I'm swapping to it on the play and we can chat about like play draw considerations for deck swapping. But, you know, usually if you know you're on the play, you want to play your more aggressive deck. But I was swapping into that black, green, blue deck knowing I was going to be on the play against like mid-rangey decks, like not aggressive decks. And I was like, if that's what I'm doing with the knowledge of what my opponent is doing and the knowledge of being on the play, there's no way I shouldn't be starting with this deck. So I really have to like, I mean, I know you're very hyped for me. I know it's my own accomplishment. I would literally never have built that deck. I was, <laughs> I, I mean, you can see in the, so the full run is on our YouTube channel where you can also watch the episode live. Hello, folks. Hello out there in YouTube land. <laughs> <laughs> that full run is up there and you can see when I get to the sealed deck dot tech deck building portion of the day, I see the shallow green and I go, so we're not playing green. Fine. No biggie. I'm like I just wrote it off and you were like, nah, you can't do it. So shout out to you because that deck was it was really good. It, it really, really ended good. up. Well, and I think even when I built it, didn't quite realize how much like you had a lot of filler that you had to play in that deck to be able mm-hmm. to play your rares, but it was all filler that worked well with itself and was in the right places and supported your rares really well. I mean, yeah. like if you're running Fell Horseman and Sealed, you want to have Fawn's Bane Troll, Goose Mother, and Gruff Triplets, right? Like, yes. I mean, that, and that I did like about it initially, but there were some other things that I I even missed when I slapped it together because I slapped it together in two minutes. I was like, you just have to play these cards. Yeah. (laughs) Slap the deck together, you know, but it did work well with itself. Yeah, there was like little stuff like Collector's Vault playing well with Oversold Cemetery slash all the recursion, like the double double slash. I did have access to triple Fell Horseman, which I think I did sometimes end up playing, plus the uh, back for seconds as well. So a lot of recursion in that deck. There was just cute stuff where I got to like block, sack, ginger brute but not to gain three but to draw a card and lose life with greta like little synergistic things like that that the deck had to offer um even just something as simple as the fairy dream thief having that surveil one to just get another creature in the yard potentially for all of that recursion as well so yeah there was a lot to like about that deck Certainly also a lot to not like <laughs> about yes, that deck. I agree. <laughs> but it had some power. And I did end up swapping back to red black. I think really once I know for sure, um, maybe I ended up doing it twice. But then I also ended up figuring out that there was a black white deck in that pool too. Because there was a round where I was playing against someone who just had like, oops, all large monsters like a Hamlet glutton and uh, Stromkirk Vanguard. That's the 6-7 that has the adventure to blow up a artifact or enchantment and an archive dragon. And I was like, I only have Shatter the Oath to deal with these. Like, I get lucky if I draw that, but even my candy grapple uh, bargained can't deal with these large creatures. Um, so I ended up swapping into white where I got access to um, double cooped up, uh, Princess Takes Flight, and then even dipped into white further in the last round against an aggro deck because I had double glass casket. So the, I really, I think, used every inch of that pool in the run of the the eight matches. But certainly, I think starting with that that sloppy Sultai deck was was really what I needed to do. Well, and if you haven't watched it on YouTube, you absolutely should. I watched all four hours and it was incredible magic. Like even knowing the outcome, there were times in match two, game three, and match three, game three, where I, like, I know you're going to the PT, and I'm like, I don't see what the sequence of events is here that gets him out of it. Fawnsbane Troll, I think, hard MVP for that pool. Hard carried, yeah. I, in match two, game two, and you can see it happen. You can see me read Ben's Discord message where he says, how is it going? I need updates. And I type, <laughs> I'm about to be 0204. Because I was stuck on lands against my opponent in game four and cast Rowan's Grim Search bargained. So Rowan's Grim Search, that's the two and a black. 
uh, draw two, lose two. But if you bargain it, you look at the top four of your library, and then you can choose up to two to put on top of your library and the other in the graveyard. So digging for lands, Rowan's Grim Search bargained four spells. Fine. They all go to the bin. Draw two, spell, spell. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm toast. But then got to back for seconds, the Fawnsbane troll, like hit a land drop, back for seconds, Fawnsbane troll, have that extra mana to fight something, just was able to just sort of claw back, scrape together a win there. And then, yeah, match three, game three against a blue-red deck, just I spewed off some removal spells. They stuck a Johan, and I was like, oh, going to lose to this card advantage engine. But then my opponent just ran out of gas eventually, and I was able to to pull that game out as well. Just crazy, crazy games of magic. Well, and also I think you're not selling this, so I will sell it for you. I think an absolute masterclass in sealed, like with that that amount of stuff on the line, still talking through your thought process mm. for all of decisions. But it was awesome. It was excellent content. Thanks, man. Thank you. So uh, some questions that I got, and, and thanks everybody who's watched it on YouTube. Um, it's gotten a lot of views, which is great. It's gotten a ton of comments, which is awesome. Questions that I've gotten both you know in the Discord and the YouTube comments on Twitter. Some questions about deck swapping and choosing to be on the draw or what being on the play or the draw means. And I want to say that I think, and you can see me doing this in the video because I, you know, in editing it, went back and watched some of it as well. I think the best thing I did in this run was I was thinking about game two. I was thinking about post board as early as possible in every match. I was like, okay, if we get to this next game and I win, what am I going to do? If we get to the next game and I've lost, what am I going to do? And then what might that mean for game three, potentially? Because you just don't have time. You only have two minutes, right, to get that deck in and out. (laughs) So if I'm doing a full deck swap, I have to be like ready and know what I'm doing with it because you can't get to sideboarding and then click back to the battlefield. Oh, what did I see? And mm -hmm." no, you have to be thinking about it then. And the same is true. And I've done full deck swaps in paper at GPs before as well. You have to be prepped for that too. Like sleeved up the other things that you're going to be swapping to, have a list of what from your main deck you're bringing into your second deck, whatever. Like it can be done in paper, but same deal. Like you can't be spending 10 minutes sleeving and de-sleeving and sideboarding this 40 card going to get more lands like you just can't do that in paper you can't afford that amount of time between game one and two and certainly between game two and three yeah the one thing i think you did in the run that i i never would have done the time you were in the black white mirror well not a black white mirror initially but you put yourself Uh you cited in a black white and put yourself on the play in on game the two on the draw that's what i meant excuse me against this other black white deck that was a bold move cotton and yeah, so this is the last match and sorry for the spoilers, I guess, but like, you know, it's been out. Um, and, I, and like Ben said, knowing the outcome, I still think it is worth watching. Last match, lost game one to a what seemed, I mean, it didn't seem like that exciting. Didn't see any cards that like blew my mind, but just a nice low curve black white aggro deck. And that's when I swapped into my own black white deck to get access to double cooped up, double glass casket and princess takes flight to have more interaction. And I had some like filler cheap white cards as well. But yeah, then I also chose to put myself on the draw against the aggressive deck. Well, and also better mana too, right? Because that green, black, blue deck's mana was sketchy to say the least. There were some spreading seas from your opponents in this run. God, (laughs) There were a lot of gruff triplets in hand sitting on two forest moments. (laughs) Yes, yes, there were. Yes, there were. Yeah, getting just straight up spreading seas game one against an opponent on my forest. I was like, this is brutal. This is just what's happening here down to six sources for my grand yeah. triplets <laughs> exactly gonna collector's vault gonna need to hard carry me here so why choose to be on the draw i also got the, this question a lot 
for my day one run where I had just like oops all interaction plus expel the interlopers and rankles prank. People are like, why does that make you want to be on the draw? Well, when your deck and this could, this could be wrong, but my philosophy was new, no, not wrong. The, when your deck is so reactive, you want your opponent to be the one who's affecting the board first, right? My deck's plan is to respond to the things you're doing. So I want you to have certainly one less resource, but also I want you to be incentivized to hit the battlefield first. It's a lot more awkward to have expel the interlopers in your opening hand and you're on the play because then you're like, okay, should I be the first person to play a two drop? Because every creature I put on the board makes my sweeper worse. And now certainly expel has like the variations, but let's say it's just a, a straight up sweeper without the variability to it that you don't, every creature you put on the board is one less sort of resource. You'll be up against your opponent. So you give them the opportunity to affect the board first, and then you can respond in kind with, I'm going to play this removal spell. I'm going to craft the game this way. And especially the key here is cheap removal. The the fact that Cooped Up and Glass Casket are both two mana really makes that possible for you. Yeah, completely co-sign that. Yeah, so that that I think was something that I did super well and just something like being on the play or the draw. It's again, like when I know I'm going to be on the play, I'll side into this aggro deck sometimes because I can press that advantage as best as possible, right? Whereas like your Harried Spear Guard is going to be way worse on the draw against, you know, uh, an opponent who then gets to go, okay, cool. You hit me for one, I'm at 19. Here's a two drop. Here's a two mana two, two that now sort of blanks it. And then you're, you're just playing from behind a little bit. Right. All right. So we've given the folks this sweet rundown. What does all this mean for you? We, we talked about it briefly, but let's, let's, let's hit it hard. So neither of these tournaments have been like fully announced yet, but I'm qualified for Pro Tour Chicago, which is in February. I don't think the dates have officially, officially been announced yet, but I'm pretty sure it's the last weekend in February, like 23rd, whatever. Sorry, Jasper Band students. That's solo an ensemble weekend. You're on your own. I will not Rip. be there. Hope you pray. <laughs> and I'm also qualified for Arena Championships 5. Again, not announced, but this is a tournament that happens every four months that these qualifier weekends seed you into. So anyone who gets the max seven wins on, on Sunday in these qualifier weekends gets into this event. And then there's a handful of these, what they call at-large invites that, you know, are basically based on tiebreakers and, and win rates. So, you know, not enough. There aren't 32 people who get seven wins in four months on day two of these events. So then they pick, you know, the top players who got six wins and five wins, etc. So Arena Championships 5, 32-person tournament, that's three rounds of draft, and then the rest is constructed. I think, I forget how many more, I think three rounds of constructed again on Saturday and then three on Sunday before top eight. So three and six in terms of limited and constructed. Hasn't been announced yet. I don't think I'm lucky enough for either of these tournaments to get to just play standard. I think I'm going to have to play some eternal format. I think it is likely Explorer will be the tournament for Arena Championships 5, and likely Pioneer will be the constructed format for Pro Tour Chicago. But it hasn't been announced yet, so it could be modern, but I think it is unlikely to be standard. And for our listeners and for me, just to clarify, I'm, I'm fairly confident Explorer is like Arena's getting to modern format, right? That is the kind of the tagline for Explorer. I think Closer to Pioneer, but I, I don't, I truly don't know. I, well, but Pioneer is on Arena or is not on not, Arena? Not. not. Yeah. Oh, so Explorer is on the way to Pioneer, but they don't have all the Pioneer cards yet? I think that is true. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I would guess the majority of our listeners know the answer to that more than us, which is <laughs> it's a little bit of a yikes. But so more importantly, 
than the Pro Tour, than Arena Champs. We're going to both be at MagicCon Chicago. Hell yeah, we are. What are we going to do? We got to do something. <laughs> you have to play in the B team, my nah, friend. <laughs> whatever. That's small potatoes. We got to do maybe another live podcast. My my real dream is to, we got to, who, who out there? Your real dream is to 3-0 the draft, 0-4 constructed, and have the rest of the weekend to yourself, or 0-5 constructed. Oh, no. That's, if I 3-0 the draft and can't, then I'm just like, just give me one win so I can play day two. Like, come on. <laughs> that That's the dream right there. No, but I feel like it'd be cool. Who out there can, can grease the wheels and get us on, get us some limited panel? That's what oh. I want to do. Like an fish, official panel i want to i want to be on the schedule i think i think we can do it wow that's bold move cotton i mean i'm here for it if that if we can swing that now that you're mtg pro ethan Sachs. that's right we got got some pull that's right exactly some some cachet all right you better believe i will be there competing in some sealed ptqs like while you're busy playing on the pro tour i am going to be trying to get on the pro tour Yeah, love that. Okay. Yeah, because I'm bummed because there's not a big limit. The like, you know, the Vegas 100K was a limited one. This is a 75K, but it's wah wah standard. Will not be participating. <laughs> but yeah, get, get yourself on the PT with some sealed PTQs. Crush some fools. All right, let's take a quick ad break and we'll be back with the rest of the show. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills, and your favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Tell me about it. The premiums I pay for my arena subscription to have drafts go well and the shuffler cooperate are out of control. (laughs) Well, Ethan, you're in luck because there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. Oh, right. Mint Mobile is the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. Even in the world of Wilds of Eldraine, that's a bargain. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com LOL. That's mintmobile.com LOL. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash LOL. All right, Ben, we've been teasing a little bit about having a segment perhaps of the show called Seb Ben Teen Lands, where you just get to talk about this started with you being like, whatever, Gruff Triplets. I, I have a 75% win rate against that card. It's terrible. <laughs> and I was like, I just want Ben's personal data. But now you actually have that. Because patrons of 17 lands now get access to their own personal data, which is a, a really a new feature they just rolled out like a week ago. It's really cool. You get to just check your own win rates. Like I had folks in the discord talking to me about like, you know, back for seconds was my number one underrated card. And then people talking about it being bad. And then I got to check myself and be like, is my impression of this not true? But like, it's one of my most played uncommons. My win rate is good. Improvement when drawn is good. Like, I was like, I don't know what to tell you, folks. I think I've like cracked some sort of code with this card, perhaps. But you get to actually have access to that. Have you checked out any of this personal data yet? <laughs> Shockingly, I have not. True to, true to form. I am excited for some potential 17 lands data segments where I get to talk mm-hmm. about my own data with cards. But it seems like the data, the data weaponry is moving up, 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 up in those arguments. You can just be like, boom, I have an 80% win rate with this card. Get wrecked. That's what it's for, right? Yeah, it's to just shut down any conversations about cards. Yeah, I, that's that's what I assume. They're trying to give us access to the biggest argument enders possible. Well, the the thing that in in all seriousness, the thing that I found really useful about it was 
and and what I how I was trying to use it, and I don't know, maybe some some data nerds out there. I'm sure Sirkovitz will be telling us how like best to utilize our own personal data. But how I was doing it was sorting by like most played because I didn't want to look at like you know small. We're already working with like very small sample sizes when we're only talking about our own stuff. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to focus on how often I had played these cards. Brave the Wilds is one of my most played commons. It has a pretty bad win rate for me. It's like <laughs> 55% or something. And so that ratio, I would, that made me go, oh, I like either Brave the Wild is it's probably partially indicative of like drafts gone awry or like trying to backdoor into something feasible, which makes sense that that's not going to be as streamlined as, you know, some, some better cards, some cleaner cut cards, but also made me like, I think I was definitely like happy to pick Brave the Wilds before. And it's definitely tempered my feeling about that card since then. Nothing could temper my love <laughs> for Brave the Wilds. No data can separate the two of us. Our love is eternal. You can't, you can't talk to this man. Can I give you some data about the trophy decks from Arena Championship 4 before we get into our feature drafter? Please. Shout out to Black White. Two of the- Shout out to Black White. You love to see it, but don't format though. Two of the four three O's were Black White. One featuring tons of Busto rares had uh, Expel the Interlopers, Devouring Sugar Maw, Three Blind Mice, three copies of Stockpiling Celebrant. The other one- Black-white featuring much fewer rares, maybe none, maybe one that wasn't that exciting. I think the the fox, the the one white-white fox that flashes in and exiles a creature. Still three copies of my boy, stockpiling celebrant, my dwarf, stockpiling celebrant. Time out. We have to pause here. I just Why? opened up one of these links and it is unintelligible to me. <laughs> look I at, look at, I don't look, look at deck lists like this. Look at in- visual view. Click visual view. Oh. The other thing that's really funny about Melee is that all of the, because of like, I think maybe it counts what's in your sideboard. So every deck is listed as five color or like Wooberg or Woo Big. And it's just because it's every card in the pool. <laughs> like, so I was like, wow, everybody's really. When I saw just all the titles of the decks, I was like, yeah, people are just scrapping together these <laughs> multicolored decks. Prisms and grottos abound. But no, I think it's a, a bit more uh, streamlined than that. So yeah, so two black white decks. A Grixis deck, blue, black, red, featuring lots of removal, a questionable mana base. This was someone did not listen to our, Alex Saltzman did not listen to our uh, deck about building mana bases in this format with the seven swamp, five island, four mountain, one evolving wilds. A little bit of treasures for fixing too. And then a red, white, splashing black, a little bit of Mardu, Boros with a little black deck featuring Kellen, the 2-2 double striker, decadent dragon, and a princess takes flight. So Jund format confirmed, but perhaps Mardu format confirmed when we look at this, these trophy decks. That's not really indicative of anything, but uh, but it's fun to see. No, yeah, I, I, I think the format is pretty balanced, honestly. Like, the more I play it, like, that's what we said early on, like, maybe Jund format, but it doesn't really matter. Like, there's good stuff to do in a lot of different places in the format. And I think truly whatever is getting past you, whether that's blue or white or red or black or green, I think you're fine as long as you know how to build the right decks with the type of cards you're seeing. So this will be perhaps our last, certainly our last chance before Arena Championships 5 to... Uh, armchair quarterback someone who isn't me like next time arena championships happens we're just going to get to look at my draft log and you're going to be like what the heck were you thinking <laughs> i know i'm gonna be, a, you're gonna be like these be a tense i'm gonna be a, <laughs> these pros to, am I right <laughs> trying to tow around ethan um i don't love this pick <laughs> 
Crows don't know how to draft confirmed. That's uh, I've become I'm going to become insufferable. By the way, Ben, we haven't talked about that aspect of things. So, like, anytime you disagree with me, I'm just going to get to play the pro card. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm here for it. So we had two featured drafters at the Arena Championships. Um, we're going to be taking a look at the second featured drafter, Terry Ramboa, aka El Gran Boa. Also, the other thing I realized, if I get like featured or whatever, which could happen, they have like your arena stats, you know? And so the first drafter they had, had yeah, it seemed like clearly not as as much of a limited player. El Gran Boa is someone I, I recognize their username. I've definitely played against them before. Certainly, I think I've seen them at like the top of the 17 lands leaderboard sometimes. Had an astronomical number of games of limited and a really high win rate, like 67% or something. And I was like, I'm nervous about what my <laughs> number is. Coming- up on screen like my well and also there's nowhere for my uh my phone drafts to hide <laughs> my my blurry eyed late night i bet like those are logged too oh. right like 17 lands doesn't log those but arena knows all i think all gonna be hanging out there for the world to see <laughs> Lords of exactly. gonna come crumbling down yeah all right you ready to take a seat at the arena championships and uh and draft the sweet deck here please let's do all right, pack one, pick one. You see the following cards as options. There's a rat catcher trainee, best common in the pack. One in a red for the two one. It has first strike on your turn. and has the adventure for two in a red at instant speed to make two rats. Uh, three uncommons to talk about. Welcome to Sweet Tooth. Uh, the one in a green saga makes a one one on chapter one, a food on chapter two. And then chapter three puts uh, X plus one plus one counters on a creature where X is one plus the number of food you control. Ben, you got a chance to draft a, uh, a food deck. Shortly after our episode last week, featuring, I believe, double copies of Night of the Sweets Revenge. How was it for you? It was beautiful. It was the sweetest pun not intended deck I've had all format. And I would not have drafted it without the conversations we had on the podcast. I hadn't quite put together that Ginger Brutes and Candy Trails were critical to like really, truly use Night of Sweets Revenge. Like I'd, I'd heard the scuttle that it was a good build around and had tried to build around it once and did it poorly and kind of wrote it off as eh, I don't really love this card. But I had a spicy brew that was excellent. Truly, I think the best deck I've drafted all format and savagely crushed some folks 3-0. It featured your companion of the format, Goose Mother. Goose Mother, yeah. Yeah, of course. Working on double digit copies. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, next up, there's Emberth Veteran, the single red 2-1. You can pay one to sacrifice it to put a young hero roll token on a creature. And there's Grasp of Fate, one white white enchantment, uh, exile a non-land permanent until Grasp of Fate leaves. And your rare is a card I've actually played more than I thought. Rankles Pranks. It's two black black for sorcery. You can choose one or more. Uh, each player loses four life. Each player discards two cards and each player sacrifices two creatures. Have you played any any pranks on people this format, Ben? have not not gotten to draft the card or if I have haven't been in black, but I have gotten wrecked by the prankster a couple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't think I like it here. What, what do you like out of this pack? I would welcome to Sweet Tooth, I think, is the, the clear two drop best value goes in the most decks, highest synergy, highest power. I think it's just a great first pick. Agree. And El Gramboa agrees as well. Pack two. Torch the Tower, single red for the instant deal two damage. It has bargain, deal three, and scry one instead if it's bargained. That's the best common in the set. Where are you at on torch versus grapple? Pack one, pick one. I would torch. Yeah, I think I would too. Um, there's a spell stutter as well, but that's the you know, but 
Probably Blue's best common, but certainly not in the conversation with a torch in the pack. Moving on to the uncommons, there's a charade of numbing depths. The two white blue, two three, ETBs, tap a thing, keep it tapped. And whenever you tap an untapped creature and opponent controls, you draw a card. Up the beanstalk. Pack one, pick one at worlds. This is one I green for an enchantment. Whenever up the beanstalk enters the battlefield, or whenever you cast a spell with mana value five or greater, you draw a card. And the rare is Restless Vinestalk. This is the blue-green land. Uh, taps for blue and a green, and it's a creature land. Activated for three green-blue, it's a 5-5, five, five, and when it attacks, you can make another creature uh, have base power 3-3 three, three until end of turn. Yeah, I disagree with the pick here from El Gran Boa, which was Up the Beanstalk. I think Up the Beanstalk is fine. This just feels early to me to take it yeah it's kind of like knight of sweets revenge in that like can be a great card for you but isn't always going to be depending on how your draft goes i don't know that you really want to warp your draft around a card like that when you potentially have better more consistent options here i think i would certainly torch the tower would be my pick here but i think i would also be on restless vine stock over up the beanstalk as well i think it's third for me i agree with you and you know i'm a bigger fan of up the beanstalk than you are i think but one of the things that i really feel like is true about this format and i think in limited in general but we talk about like everything is viable sure there are are gradients of yeah blue is the worst color but i'll still happily play it or like i know what directions i want to go in when i'm playing blue whatever cards like up the beanstalk really limit your options for the future of the draft. Not so much like, yeah, at the, at the floor about the beanstalk, it's a two-man enchantment, replaces itself. But like, you're going to start to have like, Welcome to Sweet Tooth can do multiple things, right? It's going to be awesome if you are black, green, low curve food. Maybe you're even playing ginger brutes. You get a couple Welcome to Sweet Tooths, then you can really be assertive. Sweet Tooth witches, keep your curve low, play the hollow scavenger or whatever. Like You can really be assertive there. Up the Beanstalk's not going to belong in that deck. Welcome to Sweet Tooth can also just be, hey, here's a nice little speed bump, a little piece of food, couple rectangles, we're cooking. I don't need to be super aggressive. Then I've got a higher curve and up the beanstalk is better, but like you're just limiting the options you have as the draft progresses because you're going to in the back of your mind, you're going to be like, oh, do I take this worst card, but it's a six drop adventure for me to be able to trigger up the beanstalk, you know? Well, I think the answer to that is largely no. Like that's why you want to pick up up the beanstalk when you know you are that deck because you do have to draft a very certain style of deck to maximize it. And by taking up the beanstalk here, you're passing a torch the tower to your neighbor also like this is pod play it's zero sum like you really want to be the one with the torch the tower i think and especially i just think as we'll see like card quality disappears pretty quickly in these drafts in these high high level drafts and even more so removal disappears very quickly and so torch the tower being something that you're giving up on here like you're just not gonna see it and especially if you're getting deeper into green you're limiting your options of like okay i'm not gonna get that kind of removal from green so i gotta get it somewhere else well well you're not getting it from red anymore right well and also what happens if red's open and you want to pivot to red like you feel terrible about having taken up the beanstalk over towards the tower, I think. And that would be results oriented. Like, I just do think towards the tower is the right pick. But that's why it's so important to make the right pick so that when those pivoting options come around, you've done the right things to set yourself up to be able to pivot as best as possible. Well, and you know, you, know, you pass rat catcher trainee, depending on what the person to your left did pack one, they might have taken trainee, they might have taken Emberth veteran. And now you know, they're definitely taking torch. I wonder if that's part of his calculation here is like, I'll put the person in my left in red by passing this torch. But like, that's a, that's a terrible plan. You get two packs from the right. 
Well, and also you just don't know. Like your the person to your left could have opened some whatever. They opened Fawnsbane Troll, and now they're taking Rankle's prank because they just want to play black. Like whatever. Like you don't know what they're doing or what they opened, and that can really influence what they're going to take out of the second pack. Now, like maybe. I'm wrong about up the beanstalk would certainly be willing for that to be possible too. like I could see a world where that happened because we saw Nathan value up the beanstalk much higher than I do certainly also. But like, for example, in my mind, up the beanstalk and night of sweets revenge are similar esque cards Mm -hmm. in that like they they are very powerful in the right style of deck and you could replace up the beanstalk with night of sweets revenge here, which arguably pairs much better with the sweet tooth and I would still take torch the tower over night of sweets revenge, you know? Yeah, that, I think that's certainly, where my head is at. Certainly at Arena Championships 4, I would like on my Monday draft on my phone. I'm <laughs> definitely taking Knight of Sweets Revenge second to follow up. Welcome to Sweet Tooth. So we've got the two green enchantment two drops here. Moving on to pack three. There's a Witch's Mark, the one in a red. Uh, discard a card, draw two cards, and you can put a Wicked Roll token on a creature. Feed the Cauldron to in a black instant. Destroy target creature with mana value three or less. If it's your turn, you get a food token. Armory Mice the workhorse of the white two drop slot uh one and a white for a three one and if you celebrate it gets plus oh plus two until end of turn and gadwick's first duel i actually have started to play this card a little bit this is one of blue for a saga chapter one you put a cursed roll on something chapter two you scry two chapter three uh the next time you cast uh an instant or sorcery with mana value three or less you get to copy it and choose new targets pretty weak pack right already Pack three, power level is way down. Way down, for sure, yeah. I think here I would want to be keeping my options open, taking <clears> what I think is the best card in the pack, because like our power level's not great, no matter what we've done. Like Whether you have Welcome to Sweet Tooth into Up the Beanstalk or Welcome to Torch the Tower, I th- still think you're on the same line, which is want to keep my feelers open for where my options are going to be to get the best cards going forward. And so I think Feed the Cauldron looks like the best card in the pack to me, and I think I would take it here. And gives you just ever so slight synergy with Welcome to Sweet Tooth, which I think is nice as well. Pack four. Love this pack, and I love this this move here from El Granboa. We've got an Evolving Wilds, the land that searches up a basic, another Rat Catcher Trainee, a Baluna's Gatekeeper. This is the five and a blue six five. With the Adventure, one and a blue Sorcery bounce, a creature you don't control with mana value three or less. Did you see my opponent get got by this? So I did. They had, uh, they had Gadwick's first duel. They were all set up for chapter three. They got back a Baluna's Gatekeeper. They were ready to double copy, bounce both of my Gruff Triplet tokens, and then a lot of hovering happened as they yeah. realized they could not target. Well, too, it's also wild watching the YouTube video. How much more like big picture view you're able to take when you're not like just in the thick mm. of the game. Yeah, like, there were a couple times like didn't end up mattering. You had some attacks, I think, that you didn't make and could have made because yeah, you yeah. were just like trying to figure out what the course of the game should be. Yeah. And then like that spot too, your opponent didn't play the six five. And I was like, why didn't they do that? And you didn't even like clock that they hadn't played the six five until their turn. And then you were putting it together. <laughs> I had already like oh. as soon as they didn't play the six five. I was like, whoa. Why didn't they cast a 6-5? That's you know, funny, like, yeah. yeah. Just like how much more of a bird's eye view you have on the match not being when you're not it. Yeah. Yeah, sweating the It's not the PT often invite. these days that I watch other people play Magic for four hours. Uh, moving on to the uncommons, there's an Ash Party Crasher. Red-white for a 2-2 with haste. Uh, when you celebrate at the beginning of combat, you put a plus and plus one counter on it. And then Tempest Heart, 
This is the three and a green, three, four. Whenever you cast a thing with mana value five or more, you get a counter on it. And as the adventure two in a blue, draw two, discard two. What do you like here? I have some opinions both ways, I think, depending on what you've done. If you take my route through the draft where you go welcome into torch, into feed, I like Ratcatcher Trainee here as a card that keeps you the most flexible, most open. Like, mm-hmm. it pairs well with your torch. I would be trying to lock in red as a base color and then feel out what I want my second color to be. If you've gone Grand Boa's route where you take Welcome to Sweet Tooth into Up the Beanstalk and Feed the Cauldron, I still think I might take Ratcatcher Trainee. I think you can make cases for Ratcatcher Trainee, Evolving Wilds, or Ash. Mm-hmm. In that spot, but you're in a much worse spot, I think. So the the nice thing about Ash is it's it's a clear direction if you end up going that direction. Again, the problem is, is that this pack is now almost halfway done, right? This is pick four. And truly, as we will see, you don't you do not get you're not wheeling anything good in these packs. Like it's very seldom that you will will get things that you're happy with that like truly not even happy with as filler on the wheel in these drafts. So pack one's almost halfway done. And then pack two, you will now have shipped torch and double trainee to your left. So like if not the person directly to your left, but two people to your left is going to be in red. It's going to be hard to get red from the left with that ash, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think like there is a real thought to take Evolving Wilds here, given the the sort of green start that you have and splash around. And, and these drafts, I think we would expect to be a little scrappier, given how much power level is going to be snapped up and not flying around the table. Um, but I, I like the Ash pick. As, I, as, I, as you said, I agree with you of like, I can see arguments for all three. Well, the thing that I don't love about the ash pick is i think if you're willing to go down the ash route mm-hmm. you definitely were supposed to take torch the tower pick two like yeah. there's, a, there's a bit of cognitive dissonance there right because it's what i was talking about last week where like you really kind of have to pick a direction for your deck pretty early on but then it can take a while to lock into what specific brew of like control or mid-range or aggro or whatever and when you take welcome into up the beanstalk you're kind of saying like, I want to play a green deck that wants the game to go a little bit longer. And then it feels like the natural follow up to that is evolving wilds here. Yeah. Whereas like, and, and if that wasn't the space you wanted to play in, then you should have taken torch the tower pick two, you know? That's, yes. that's kind of how I feel about it. There's just some cognitive dissonance in specking on Ash Party Crasher here to me. Certainly, if you've taken Torch, pick two, co-sign me up for Ash Party Crasher or Rats. Personally, I'd be on Rats, but wouldn't say one is right or wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. So, uh, Granboa does take Ash here, maybe thinking, all right, maybe this little green start I had isn't going to work out. Maybe I can get Boros from my right. Let's see. Pick five. There's a Territorial Witch Stalker, the one in a green 2-3. Gets plus one, plus oh, and can attack on your turn if you have a creature with power four or greater. A Scream Puff, four and a black, four, five with Death Touch. If it deals damage to your opponent, you get a food. Return Triumphant for the Boros life, one and a white for the sorcery. Return a creature with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield with a young hero roll token attached. And a Troyon Gutsy Explorer. This is the one green blue. For a 1-3, it taps add green blue spent only to cast spells with mana value 5 or greater or spells with X in their mana costs. And then it's also a looter for blue and tap. I have no opinions here, really. Like, you could hand me a card out of this pack and I wouldn't feel great about it. I guess Scream Puff is the most exciting of them. Like, it kind of puts you back on a black-green food life. And so, it's a f- mana value thing for up the beanstalk. Yeah, sure. Scream puff. Sign me up. I do have I do have opinions. I think that's the best of the bad options here. I would take Troyon 
as the best of the bad options personally. Lean, leaning leaning into the beanstalk life a little bit more. And like oof. I do think, and we will see this happen. Don't oof me. I'm a I'm a, I'm a pro tour competitor, <laughs> sir. Don't you dare oof me. Um I think the thing I like about Troyon here is I do think Green Blue, and rightfully so, will be underdrafted, right? It's one of the worst, if not the worst, archetype in the format, but still still playable. And it certainly had you taken Evolving Wilds. I do think there's a, a path here where you you do end up a little bit more splishy splash. But I like the Troyon because you get access to Obira's Attendance and Baluna's Gatekeeper that are cards that are probably not going to get snapped up by a lot of folks. And that gives you, that's a really good curve with Troyon. It triggers up the Beanstalk. I think I like that a little bit better than Scream Puff. I've, I, know, I, like, I like Scream Puff. I've never missed a Scream Puff at the end of a draft. Yeah, I've also never missed a Troyon as I've, I've never cast the card. <laughs> this is un- unbelievable. All right, we're going to take one more ad break and we'll be back with the rest of Boa's draft. As we get older, our responsibilities and challenges increase, causing stress levels to rise. Prioritizing quality sleep is one of the best ways to take care of yourself. But that's definitely something easier said than done. Yeah, the start of the school year is especially tough for me. We've got marching band going on. Usually there's a new set that's come out. I've got a lot of different responsibilities, trying to juggle them all, going to bed at midnight, get up, teach. And I am significantly less patient with kids if I get less than seven hours of sleep. Instead of sacrificing sleep, make sleep your simplest self-care routine with the Hatch Restore 2. This innovative all-in-one dream machine is a sophisticated sound machine, light and alarm clock, beautifully designed for your bedside table. Good rest allows you to be the best version of yourself, which is why the Hatch Restore 2 was engineered to help you form healthy sleep habits. It helps you focus on falling asleep easier, waking up more rested, or both. I'm happy to report that the Hatch Restore has broken me of my bad phone-in-bed habit. I actually look forward to going to bed now since I know the relaxing white noise and soft blue glow of the Hatch Restore 2 are going to easily and quickly get me to fall asleep and more importantly, stay asleep. Like a good draft deck, great sleep can't be forced, but the Hatch Restore is here to help. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of a Hatch Restore and free shipping at hatch.co slash lol. Sleep deeply and wake gently with the Restore. Go to hatch.co slash lol to get $20 off and free shipping. That's hatch.co slash LOL. And now back to the show. Okay, so to review, he's got a Welcome to Sweet Tooth, an Up the Beanstalk, a Feed the Cauldron, an Ash Party Crasher, and a Scream Puff. I think we can probably just speed run the rest of this uh, pack one and, and talk about where we're at going into pack two. So pick six, a Red Tooth Genealogist, the uh, two, three that puts a Royal Roll Token on something. Pick seven, we do get a Balloon as Gatekeeper. Um, no green or black cards in this pack. Pack seven. Ooh. Pick eight picks up a Merry Bards, maybe thinking about keeping the Ash Celebration Boros life alive. And then an Obira's Attendance pick nine, as we're talking about those kind of like filler-ish, but filler plus when they're five mana value cards in blue coming around. And then just a, a bunch of junk, misleading moats. Stromkeld Prowler, Territorial Witch Stalker, Stingblade Assassin, Intangible Virtue. So scrappy, scrappy with a capital S, I would say at the end of pack one. Yeah, for sure. It's a a tough route, no matter, I think, what you do, just because they were very low powered packs. And also when the packs are lower powered, it's really hard to read signals. Yeah, so it does feel like it goes back to pick two a little bit, right? The, The decision to take up the Beanstalk over Torch the Tower 
sort of dis like forces you to lock into a color and a strategy no matter what really right it just gives you so fewer options to pivot like it's not like welcome to sweet tooth is this amazing power it's not like gruff triplets where you're like i got to play green it's like yeah this card's great i'd like to play green a lot it's a pull into green but i it's not as powerful that like i can warp my draft force green scrap together playables but it's I make up for it for the times when I go, welcome to Sweet Tooth on turn two, baby. Like, that's not really the thing. Right. It's not really the thing. And the analogy I would use for like, I would say messing up pack pick two here. Like, I think it is a mistake to take up the Beanstalk over Torch Tower. I'm not on the pro tour. You are. You're on my team. So maybe we have maybe we have some pro tour cachet now. <laughs> but imagine this in gameplay. Like, it's like you miss your second land drop on turn two. Like you can still win that game of magic, but you're significantly hamstrung or like maybe you just misclick and you time walk yourself for a turn. You can still win the game of magic, but like you're behind and you're feeling the ripple effects of that the whole game or in a game. Maybe you took a really mana inefficient turn and fired off your torch the tower on turn three and had no other play. Whereas if you played a three drop and then the following turn, you'd waited to play three drop plus torch. Like that's way more powerful. But those kinds of decisions, when you make the wrong ones in gameplay, you feel the ripple effects. And I think the same is true here in the draft. Pick two, you feel the ripple effects of passing that torch to the tower. Pick two for the rest of pack one. Yeah, I think that's true. So I think likely green, but but really, oh, was it welcome? Up the Beanstalk, Red Tooth Genealogist. Those are the only green cards. I'm mean, a Territorial Witchstalker, but like you want to be green, but you really don't have anything pulling you in any clear direction here going into pack two. Yeah, that's a disaster. Like you're you're willing to latch on to any powerful you, card you see at this point. And it's a it's a tough decision given that information. What happens? Pack two. How does pack two start? Pack two. You see the following cards as options. There's a Hamlet Glutton, the five GG six six Trample, gain three when it ETBs, and you can bargain it for five mana. Prophetic Prism, two mana for the artifact that filters lands, and when it ETBs, you draw a card. Frolicking Familiar, the blue-red adventure, the 2-2 flyer versus the, the red deal one. And your rare is Devouring Sugar Maw. Two black black for the 6-6 Menace Trample. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may sacrifice an artifact, enchantment, or token. If you don't, you tap Devouring Sugar Maw. And it's also got the adventure Have for Dinner, one and a white for an instant, and you make a 1-1 human creature token and a food token for that Sugar Maw to devour. <laughs> I'm thinking of this because I was just like, oh, that's what that adventure is called. Thinking about our conversation where I was like, I don't know any of the adventures I was streaming this week. And my brother was like, quick, without looking, what is Spellscorn Coven's adventure called? <laughs> no chance. I was like, return to sender, which is pretty close. It's take it back is what the adventure is called. Wow. It's look pretty at you. close. Close with the, well, I mean, not close at all, really, but um, close in the the uh, the idea of it. So Devouring Sugar Maw is the most powerful card Terry has seen this draft, correct? Yes, but I don't think you can take it here well you could right? i i agree it's really hard to take it and think that you can play it like you basically you take this here and you decide you're green black right yeah you hold on for dear life that might be worth doing though it's far and away the best card you've seen it plays well with welcome to sweet tooth it plays not well with up the beanstalk but well you can you get it a does in the sense that you can sack like up the beanstalk replaces itself and then you can sack it to sugar maw for a turn yeah so yeah it's t it's tough so it's basically between that and glutton which does like Gets you deeper into green, triggers up the beanstalk. You've got fodder for bargaining from Welcome to Sweet Tooth. That's the more synergistic card, plus the card you know you're going to be able 
to play game in and game out here. I think I might take Devouring Sugar Maw. The card's really strong. It gets to block for free the turn it comes down, and you get guaranteed two attacks with it if you adventure it. I guess you're not going to be able to adventure it, though, is the thing here consistently. Yeah. I've changed my answer. I'm on Hamlet Glutton. I don't think you can take it. Which is what Terry takes here. It takes Hamlet Glutton and and ends up being a really smart move because black is pretty dang cut this pack. But I think it's it's a really close pick for me in the moment. Yeah, I think the fact that you have to splash for the adventure and you don't have tools to splash yet is the mm-hmm. is the tiebreaker for me. Because the yeah. card is significantly worse if you can't consistently adventure it. And you you won't be able to consistently adventure it even if you're splashing the adventure because like you're going to have to run out your four mana six six menace trample or whatever. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to pick two. After taking the Hamlet Glutton, you see the following cards as options. There's another Torch the Tower, a Minstrosity, the one in black 3-1 that dies into a food, Hopeful Vigil, the white enchantment that brings a 2-2 Vigil along with it, and then you can sack to scry two. There's Lord Skitter's Butcher, that's the two black for a 2-3 rat that has several options. You can bring a rat along with it. You can sacrifice a creature to draw a card, lose a life, or give your whole team menace. And there's also Restless Spire here, another copy of the Manland. Yeah, this is the blue red one. That's a two one with first strike on your turn. This is tough. I mean, this is off the heels of the mana value choke point conversation we had last week as one of my my tweets about the format. And I also just don't like Lord Skitter's Butcher. I think I had that as the top rated uncommon for black in our crash course. Complete filler. This fell significantly like almost interchangeable with voracious vermin to me like sure it's slightly better i think than voracious vermin because the optionality but you're choosing a rat on this like 80 percent of the time like you just don't want to sacrifice stuff that much so and i think because of the choke point conversation i would take minstrosity here myself but it's it's again like it's rough that he can't take torch that he can't take hopeful vigil which are better cards than the black cards he's looking at yeah i agree you're really sad to not be taking torch here yes and that's yeah. not even being results oriented no about the, the the pick two pick like you just are in a bad spot because of how weak pack one was and you never really got into a color and it kind of is feeling like the color you got into in green is pretty contested yeah Tough. Very, very tough. All right, moving on to pack two, pick three after picking up the Lord Skitter's Butcher there with with some tough, tough options. So pick three, you see the following cards. There's a Hopeless Nightmare, black for the enchantment. ETBs, your opponent discards a card, loses two life. And again, you can sack it to scry two. There's a Baluna's Gatekeeper, the 6-5 that adventures to return something mana value three or less to your opponent's hand. And an Archive Dragon, four blue blue for the four six dragon. ETBs, you scry two, and it has flying and ward two. Yeah, you know, we talk about like the the point of no returns or the decision points of drafts, and they often happen in pack two, pick two, three, four, something like that, where ideally you're deep in a color going into pack one and you decide what your second color is early in pack two. This would be archive dragon for me and decide I'm blue green. And it's much easier for it to do that too. Like if you have Troy on gutsy explorer, right? There's yes. all these ripple effects from different picks we wanted to make in pack one. Well, what I don't understand is for me, I think this is, this is my least favorite of, of Terry's picks is that he ends up taking Balloon as Gatekeeper. And of the three cards that I think are worth shouting out in this pack, this is the worst option of the three. Like either you take Lord Skitter's Butcher second, and then you take Hopeless Nightmare third, and you go, rip, I passed Devouring Sugar Maw, but I want to be black-green. Or you go, I'm going to be blue-green. And Archive Dragon is almost, I mean, past Welcome to Sweet Tooth, 
now is the second best card in your pile if you take it here. Yeah, I, certainly there's an argument for that. Yeah. What, what do you like? What would you take here? Don't like anything. It's so hard for me to keep being invested like i think you could, yeah, i think you yeah. can relate to this like we've had this conversation like we both grew up on channel fireball videos yes and like consumed them non-stop like draft videos and in the beginning you're consuming everything because it's new and it's awesome and then like at a certain point i think both you and i had this experience where like we felt like we had leveled up as drafters. And then you start a video and someone hasn't drafted the format as much as you have, you feel like, and they make like two or three or four picks that are different than you. And you're kind of like off the video at that point. You're like, well, but I want to do this other thing that I'm right. seeing in the draft. Like you start to have more agency. And I'm sure El Boa, obviously they're <laughs> the championship four, an insanely talented player, et cetera, et cetera. Like this draft is just a bit of a mess so it's hard for me to keep having my own opinions about it you know like you're in damage control mode like the best thing I can say here is that like you're green and you're kind of green because you took that second pick up the beanstalk but green's cut but you don't really like and I don't see one either it's not like I see after you take that like well you should have done this and then it's you're you're able to pivot off green like once you take torch pick two then you're able to kind of spin off green if you need to but if you don't make that pick it's really tough because you just have no power level and even if you've made the picks you or I want to make you're still not like crushing it in this draft like it's a very difficult seat so maybe it's a little bit like we can we can sort of chat about what the rest of this draft ends up with. But maybe it's more interesting to talk about what your first eight, and this is usually what we do, you know, in Discord, if people ask us for draft log reviews on stream or whatever, you can give feedback for the first eight picks. And then beyond that, it's really hard because there's ripple effects, right? What you've taken out of the pack, if it's different, has affected the other people, then that's certainly going to affect pack two and pack three. So can we chat about what you would have done picks one through eight in pack one? Yeah, I think my path is kind of largely what we said as we went through the first eight picks. I would be on Welcome to Sweet Tooth, pack one, pick one. Pack one, pick two, I would have been on Torch the Tower, I think as the best card in the pack. Mm -hmm. Pack one, pick three, I would be on Feed the Cauldron as the best card in the pack. Feeling great about being in the Jund colors, you know, in the the first three picks. You think, so I want to push back on that a little bit because now that you're just on best card in the pack mode, like, oh, you don't like Johan Stopgap. I do not like Johan Stopgap, no. And you don't like Witch's Mark. It's fine. It's just not a card I actively want. I just don't think Feed the Cauldron is that good. And I specifically think Feed the Cauldron is much better the less aggressive you are. I agree with both of those things. But I think the fact that Feed combos with Welcome to Sweet Tooth and gives me outs to get into black green food, which is where I would presumably want to end up the most Mm -hmm. if it were open, I think is the, the tiebreaker for me. Okay. And just having interaction in a high stakes draft, I value pretty highly. Okay. So pick four, I would be on Rat Catcher Trainee, as I said, over Ash to keep myself maximum open because mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like I have good power level options at that point in the draft. Pick five, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. You don't have good options no matter what you've done. There's a bespoke battle garb right there. There is a bespoke battle garb right there. I am not uh, as bespoke as you. Wow. I think I would actually take Scream Puff here. Okay. In in agreement with El Garan Boa there. So now you've got two red cards, two black cards. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I would take Mary Bards, mm. I think pick six. Yep. 
and then just to get deeper into red, which is what I'm yeah. hoping to play, and then pick seven. Like you're so sad because there's no there's no real red or green or black. Nine crescendo is good. Like <sighs> you don't want to take it here, but like. You will, in your aggressive red decks, you want a copy of Gnawing Crescendo. Yeah, I think, honestly, I would take Quick Study here. Oh, interesting. Over Baluna's Gatekeeper as what I think the best card in the pack is. Maybe a red blue life is open. Okay. And then pick eight. I would take another Mary Bards. And I I would get out of pack one deep in red and be feeling out what my next colors are going to be. And then you probably end up red black because you're going to take Sugar Maw, pack two, pick one. Then you're taking Torch and then you're taking probably Hopeless Nightmare. I honestly think I end up red blue. I think pick nine, I would take pack one, pick nine. I would either take Catapult or Attendance. Don't feel strongly about either right. one, probably Attendance. Now you probably and take I, Catapult, just get deeper into red, right? I guess, yeah. And then, but then Frolicking Familiar, pack two, pick one, starts to look <laughs> really appealing. But there's, again, there's so many ripple effects at that point that it's impossible to say. I, I do feel pretty confident in saying that no matter what you do, it's really tough through pack one because there aren't strong signals, right? The, the packs are just bad and weak. Yeah, it's a, it's a really tough road. And El Gran Boa, to, to his credit, he does end up getting like a ton of fixing, right? There's a Brave the Wilds mid pack two, gets a return from the wild, pack two, pick five, and pack two, pick seven. Starts out pack three getting a Huntsman's Redemption. That's the three mana saga, makes a three, three. Chapter two, you sack a thing to find a creature. And then uh, chapter three gives up to two creatures plus two, plus two, and trample until end of turn. And then some more fixing, a Utopia Sprawl pick three. But the problem is, is that in these high level drafts, like sure, in, in best of one or even best of three, sometimes people get settled into their colors and they're passing, you know, devouring sugar maws, whipping around the table because no one's in black or whatever. It's not happening here. So like unless you're opening the stuff, all of this fixing and ramp, it's not really doing much for you. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah, it's definitely tougher to get good late cards in high stakes drafts, it seems like. Yeah. And so the the final deck uh, ends up pretty deep in green, uh, a sort of a 9-3-3 split or sorry, 9-3-3-1 split of forests, swamps, islands and plains running uh, quite a bit of fixing and then splashing around for Sir Armont in white, some big blue cards, the Double Balloonist Gatekeeper and Galvanic Giant, and in black, the Scream Puff and the Triple Feed the Cauldron, and ended up going 2-1, which I think that's about as good as you can hope for a draft as scrappy as this, and you know a pod as strong as this as they are going to be in, in Arena Champs. Yeah, 2-1-ing with that draft seed is incredible. That was an yeah. extraordinarily challenging draft seed. Yeah, big agree. So, still feeling fired up about uh, competitive magic, Ben? You're gonna gonna go over to cool stuff and order a, a standard deck. <laughs> I am. I am not that that uh, jazzed about constructed or or competitive magic that I will be starting to play standard. That's what I was. That's what I was asking myself just as, <laughs> as a litmus test. I was very excited for you to be on the PT. I was trying to think how good of a friend I was. Like, if you asked me to test constructed with you, would I test constructed with you? think the answer is no i think that's where i think that's where the line is but this is friendship i reject the premise i would never ask you to test standard with me i have one of the best limited mind at my disposal why would i 
Why would I ask you to test standard? I'm not going to waste your <laughs> precious resources on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. That's, that's good that our friendship isn't going to be put to the test then. No, not at all. Not at all. So the other thing I think we almost have to do is organize on-demand pods for you in the Lord's Limited Discord, right? Like yeah, people are. are going to want to help you test for the PT. Yes, yes. I'm not like truly not worried. I feel like the limited portion, I'm not worried about. Like I'm going to get... At the very least, I have access to Lord's Limited Discord. I have access to you and Carl and Alex and Garrett. Like, I have people that I can really rely on for that. It's the 10 rounds of Constructed that's really uh, really going to be the doozy there. Limited gives you good fundamentals, right? You're just going to be the tightest Constructed player the world's ever seen. That's the hope. Yeah. Yeah, that's the hope. We shall see. We shall see. Well, and uh, seriously, though, like... One thing we were bemoaning, I think, going into, you know, the the episode where we said, what would we do? We always ha- had to keep hedging with, well, we haven't practiced in pod play. Like those episodes are going to be so good because we will have practiced in pod play, I'm sure, because they're going to be people that want to fire the Heroku drafts with you and then jam the games out in direct challenges. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm I'm I think we will be able to uh to figure it out. And I think we'll see that that those drafts are a little scrappier, if not if not fully scrappier, as I keep using that word this episode, but that they are, you know, you're going to have to sort of not so much bob and weave, but just expect lower powered decks than you see on the ladder, like much lower powered decks. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And if you want to get in on the action, book those tickets to MC Fest Con Chicago, whatever they're called. You really stuck to Chicago. There. Yeah, you we killed nailed it. it. You, you nailed, nailed it. it. Yeah, yep. absolutely. No notes. <laughs> Print it. <laughs> Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to CoolStuffInc.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over there for any and all purchases, please use code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. And more importantly, to get 5% off anything you purchase. You can find all of our content on our website, LordsOfLimited.com. Links to our episode backlog, links to our YouTube channel, links to our Twitch streams, our tier lists, our merch as I sip my coffee from my Lords of Limited mug here from T Public, all that good stuff over at lordsoflimited.com. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.